And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. That's for Hopkins. Oh, my goodness. Did he catch that? That's the touchdown catch of the year. Antonio Brown. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. I am your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. If you're not following me already, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Also, follow the Press Coverage Podcast Twitter account at Press Cub Podcast. Um, I have another uh, podcast on the Blue Wire Network with my guy Rob Louder and the CEO of Blue Wire Network, uh, the founder as well. Kevin Jones. So make sure you guys check that out. It's called Striking Gold. It's a 49ers-based um, podcast. Make sure you listen to that. But right here, let's get it started, man. Press coverage podcast. Got some nice topics here to go over. And the first one I want to go over, the Baltimore Ravens against the Patriots, right? That was a Sunday night game. I, I was really interested to see that game because I wanted to see how do the Patriots defend this scrambling quarterback? All right, scrambling. I shouldn't say scrambling quarterback. I should say mobile. Mobile quarterback. All right. Mobile quarterbacks, I had this discussion with someone on Facebook, and I explained how I I would imagine if you ask most defensive coordinators, if you ask most defensive players, who would you rather play against, Drew Brees or Lamar Jackson? I I think you'd get a lot. I think the, the percentages would be closer to they would rather play Drew Brees. Now, most of you guys are like, well, why Drew Brees? He's a Hall of Famer first ballot. He's won a Super Bowl, you know, I mean, high-powered offense, high-flying, everything. The, the reason why is because at least with Drew Brees, you know what you're preparing for, and you're going to consistently get that. So if you can figure out a game plan to take away what Drew Brees likes and what he likes to do, kind of key in on those things, he's going to get his, but you can be a little bit more successful in that game. Now, when it, when it comes to playing against a guy like Lamar Jackson, a guy like Russell Wilson, who's probably the league MVP right now, if they were to stop the league and, and vote for MVP, I'm pretty sure it would be uh, Russell Wilson. But Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, um, Kyler Murray, you know, these guys – the reason why they are so oh, Deshaun Watson, he, he's another one. I watched him in that was a London game Sunday morning. Game started off at like six thirty. He, he he was incredible. The reason why these guys are so difficult to defend is because they are unpredictable. They extend plays. So even if you have a terrific pass rush, these guys make these unscripted plays that are just really hard to prepare for and extremely difficult to account for, right? So when, when you're playing against them, it, it stresses out the defense. How? Why? Well, when they drop back, one, it's really hard to play zone behind it because they buy time, and as time goes on, zones expand, and the holes get bigger. And it's, and it's harder to stay with guys more like downfield. It, 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 you know, the holes open up, guys drop their eyes, and all of a sudden you have this guy that's wide open. It's like, why the hell is anyone guarding them? 
Well, guys drop guys in, in zone coverage. A lot of guys, they kind of stay in their area. And if the plays happen on script, like they would against a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees, you, you're likely to have a little bit more success defensively. Now, against a guy like Drew Brees, he wants to get the ball out of his hands. So even then, he's on the drop back. If you show him a look, a picture early on, he's going he's gonna to eat your zone up. But if guys play more like a match-type zone where they're looking at who's going into their zone, they pick that guy up, they run with that. By the time he kind of processes what's going on, especially if you get kind of give him a different pre-snap look, well, your pass rush should be there, especially if you have a rush like, well, I'm a 49er fan. If you have a pass rush like the 49ers, it's going to get there. Now, if you guys watched Thursday Night Football, the 49ers' second half had fits with Kyler Murray. Well, why? Because it's like, well, if you rush too far up the field, he has lanes. If you give him lanes to run through, he's going to extend plays, and he's going to hit guys on, on the move. And if you watch by the end of it, I'd say even on that 88-yard touchdown by Andy Isabella, that was his third catch of the season. That was his first catch, first and only catch of the game. The pass rush didn't even rush the passer because they're scared to get out of their lanes. They're scared to rush too far upfield because then it gives them a lane for murder run through. Also, the, the Cardinals had hit Fortnite with some screens. It's, it's a really difficult thing to prepare for. Well, I wanted to see how exactly do the Patriots game plan for Lamar Jackson. And I will say this. Lamar Jackson... He made some very special plays, like once or twice. Outside of that, right, he had one run. Let's just total up his numbers. All right, as far as running the ball, he had 16 carries for 61 yards. That's only 3.1 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. That's not bad. I, I think you can live with that. You know, you, you held Lamar Jackson to 61 yards on 16 carries. I can, I can, I can live with that. Um, Passing-wise, he didn't do anything too crazy. 17 for 23, 163 yards. Now, the thing with these guys that can run, it's kind of hard to play. You have to play like a lot of man behind their coverage. And because you can't really rush him too much, I mean, you'll have a spy. But because it's kind of hard to, like, rush upfield on these guys, they tend to be able to pick pick a spot to where they want to throw the ball. And if they have any type of accuracy – they can make these throws. They kind of look like layup throws. And then outside of that, you see Lamar Jackson run around, run around, run around. And then, oh, they drop coverage on my fullback. Let me just toss it to him. A little does like this little flick of the wrist to the to like a fullback or a tight end. They catch it and run for yards. We saw him do that with um, Mark Ingram, who, who had an excellent game. Um, it is just really ex- extremely difficult to account for it. Well, the Patriots, I felt like they defended Lamar Jackson very well. And what they do... Um, they rushed the passer, but they had a spy right past the line of scrimmage. And if you go back and look, you, you'll see that spy. And that really limited the big runs by Lamar Jackson. Now, he's a freak athlete, so he's going to get one, you know, 18 yards. Okay, outside that 18-yard run, he averaged under under three yards a carry. It was like 2.8 yards per carry, which, again, you can live with that. Where the Patriots what the Patriots can't live with is shooting themselves in the foot. Julian Edelman fumble return for a touchdown. Tom Brady throwing downfield, intercepted, not on the same page with Muhammad Sunu, who just got there. And even then, just got there, 10 catches, 81 yards. I think they can live with that. I think this battle, man, uh, going forward, if they have to meet again, 
Who has the upper hand? I think ideally people want to say, well, I'm pretty sure the Patriots will make their adjustments, but I, I kind of want to play devil's advocate a little bit. And I'll say this. The Baltimore Ravens have a staff that has played in numerous amount of big games. Their coach, Harbaugh, he's obviously played in the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, played in the, a bunch of playoff games. It seems like he's in the playoffs every year. Greg Roman, who's the offensive coordinator, he played in three straight NFC Championship games with the 49ers. So their staff isn't going to be intimidated, I don't think, by anyone. And I think they're more times they're not going to have their team prepared for the big stage. So when it comes to the Patriots, where I think most other teams will kind of be a little, little bit intimidated when the Patriots roll into town or if you have to go to Foxborough, playing that cold weather, I don't... I don't think the Ravens will be scared. And last night, the final score was 37-20. to 20. It's a 17-point win by the Vi- uh, Ravens. I think the Ravens, after watching film, will probably say, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate, we could have we won by more if we don't muff a punt and give the Patriots good field position and um, score. I believe they fumbled again. Let me see. Team stats. One second. Fumbles lost. Yeah. So um, the Ravens fumbled twice, lost both of them. All right. I, I'm pretty sure the Ravens are t- telling themselves, hey, we don't fumble. We hold on to the ball. This game isn't even close. And I think defensively, the Patriots did as well of a job on, on Lamar Jackson as you can. I, I think Lamar Jackson is actually better than the numbers. He had a, a couple of plays where it was just like, wow, how do you do that? And even then, after you look at those plays and what the, the net yardage, two yards, three yards, except for the 18-yard run, I think the Patriots did a really good job defensively. And the fact that they still lost by 17 points, that should be kind of alarming. All right, next thing I want to talk about here is how hard it is to win in the NFL. The, yesterday I watched the Packers just get destroyed by the Chargers. And I think, you know, when you think of the Chargers, like just the name, like oh, the Chargers, you think of a really good team. Well, the, the, they're not. They, they were just in the playoffs last year. But for whatever reason, I don't know what's going on with them. They're not very good. Now, they have Phillip Rivers, so any game, like, they, they can be good. They got Keenan Allen and stuff like that. But as a whole, this year, they just haven't been a good football team. And sometimes, you know, that happens. So, the Packers, they go to L.A. You know, you, you would think that, oh, it's an away game. Probably more Packer, game, Packer fans than San Diego Chargers fans at that little-ass um, concert-style stadium that they play in. Well... The Packers go in there. They're seven and one. You have the uh, Chargers who go into that game, and the Chargers were three and five. So you got the seven and one Packers against the three and five Chargers, and the Chargers win. That that game kind of told me like. And this goes back to strength of schedule because I'm, I'm a 49er fan, so a lot of times that's what I hear. Who have they played? They haven't played anybody. They haven't done this. They haven't done that. 
in the NFL, it's extremely difficult to win. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to win. And you got to be on every week. And I think that's what kind of makes the 49ers 8-0 start pretty remarkable. I think that's what makes the Patriots 8-0 start pretty remarkable. It's hard to win NFL games week in and week out, no matter who you are playing against. And we saw that last night in the Packers game. Now, the Packers aren't going anywhere. They had a slip-up. They lost the game. Whatever. It's not it's not the, the end of the world for them. Um, they play in a tough division. You got the the Lions who lost to the Raiders yesterday, but they're, they're competitive. The Lions can play some football. You have the Vikings in that division. The Vikings, uh, they lost to Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes, but very competitive. And, and then you have the Bears who, they kind of stink, is it? Is Mr. Trubisky that bad? <laughs> but you have the you have the Bears and Mr. Trubisky, um, who isn't good. So, you know, I wouldn't put much stock into any game that they play against the Packers. But you never know. You never know. You can't take anybody lightly. Well, the the, the NFL is, is difficult, and and I think that's what makes some of these teams that consistently win, even teams like the Patriots, even more remarkable. What they've done over the last decade or century. Been like 20 years, 20 years of century, right? Um, they've just been at the top and they continue to win. Now, a lot of that has to do with the structure of the organization. Um, I was listening to a podcast, um, John Middlecoff podcast. I love listening to him. He has this podcast, it's called the Three and Out Podcast. It's, it's a really good listen if you guys don't listen to it already. He was talking to Carson Palmer, and Carson Palmer kind of opened up and talked about. His the the draft process while he was coming out of, while he was coming out of USC, and everyone told told him every agent. This is Carson Palmer's words. Every agent that he spoke to told him, "No, no, no, we're not going to let you go to Cincinnati. That's where quarterbacks go to die. It's a terrible situation. You don't want to be there. The terribly ran." organization, we're going to get you drafted somewhere else, maybe do like, you know, what Eli Manning did, right, where Eli was like, I'm not going to San Diego, San Diego drafted him and then traded him to the New York Giants, well, he was doing, uh, Carson Palmer was just like, no, 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 it's going to be different with me, I'm going to go to Cincinnati, I'm going to turn things around, I'm going to change the way that they do things, well, a, a lot of organizations, most of them, are kind of set in stone with how they do things. And that's why you have some teams that just never get better. And even when they do get better, they don't have long-term success. They might be good for like a year, like the Jaguars. Um, and then you have teams like the Baltimore Ravens, who are contenders every year. You have the Green Bay Packers, roughly in the playoffs every year. You have, obviously, the Patriots. You know, there, there, are, there are teams that year in and year out, they are usually... Really good, very competitive, and a lot of it, it starts from the top. It starts from the owner, and then it trickles down to the GM, and then that trickles down to the uh, the head coach, and that goes down to the, the, the players. So, you know, Carson Palmer was talking about how he... 
when he went there, they didn't make he would he would go into meetings and say things like, "Hey, you know, let's change this," or "Hey, how about you guys go out and get me this guy and get me that guy, man? I think we can become a contender." Well, the organization never did that for him. They never went to go get that guy, and that was when he started to understand, like, "Dang, this is this is a situation that's not going to get any better." I think anybody would tell you, man, the Bengals are kind of known for being pretty cheap. They've been known to kind of not pay good money for coaches, right? They went out there and got a guy right now, Zach Taylor, I believe his name is. Um, he's their head coach. I mean, who who is this guy? And, and they're definitely not winning right now, and it looks like they don't even have hope. Do they believe in this guy? Um yeah, I, I don't I don't even know if that situation is ever going to get better. But I'm not surprised that the Bengals are in this situation. Well, they were with Marvin Lewis for a bunch of years. And one thing about Marvin Lewis, he gave them stability. Every year they were in the hunt for a playoff, but they were never going to be that guy because they didn't make the necessary changes to put them over the top, to go all in, to be really good. To pay for players. You have a franchise quarterback. You didn't protect him. He got hurt. Towards ACL. Got hurt again. I mean, it was just a bad situation. And it's crazy when you hear him talk about it and how, you know, he kind of gives insight on behind the scenes of just how rough of a situation it was for him. It's it's extremely uh, interesting. And you see that that kind of goes on throughout the league. There are some people that go for it. Some people that don't. Look at the trade deadline this year. You see the, the Rams. They're going for it. And people talk about the Rams and, oh, they trade away this draft pick or trade away that. I don't think they care. The Rams are going for it no matter what. Pittsburgh Steelers. I can't believe I didn't mention them. Pittsburgh Steelers were what? 0-3? 0-2? 0-3? Ben Roethlisberger? Most people would be like, you know what? Season's over. Them? Nope. Let's go make a trade. Let's make our defense even better. Let's go get a playmaker. Let's go get Minka Fitzpatrick. Give up this first-round pick. We aren't rebuilding. That's not us. We're not going to rebuild. We're just going to reload. And let's go get this guy who's going to be a playmaker and win us some games. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers, won, they beat the Colts yesterday by two points. 26-28, to 28, I believe, or 24-26. to 26. Minka Fitzpatrick had a 98-yard interception return for a touchdown. He was a difference in that game. He's a difference maker. Since going to Pittsburgh Steelers, he's had four interceptions, a couple forced fumbles, fumble recovery, defensive touchdown. I think that first-round pick was worth it. Some teams aren't willing to do that. The Rams are. Oh, we need this? Let's go get it. The Patriots are. Hell, the 49ers are. Now, the 49ers rebuilt. They brought in a new organization. Right, uh, uh, I mean, a new uh, staff with John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan. They're kind of married. They gave long-term contracts to those guys, six years. Don't even have offsets in their contracts. So that means it, how, how it kind of works is if a coach gets fired from one spot, he t- they typically have offsets in their contracts that kind of help the organization that's letting them go. So if you have offsets in your, in your, in your contract, once you go – once you get released, that team is still paying you. But when you get, or once you get released, once you get fired, that team is still paying you. But when you have, uh, but when you get signed by another team, they take on a lot of that money. 
and it kind of helps that organization that that fired you. Well, Shanahan and Lynch, they don't have any offsets. And so if they were to get fired today, they get all their money. Even if Shanahan, which probably would land a job by tomorrow, he'd probably have a new job. Shanahan would now get paid all that money by the 49ers, whatever they're paying him, the six, four, five million dollars a year, whatever it is, the 49ers will continue to pay him and he get paid from the new team, whatever they pay him. So he'd be doubling up. You know, so the 49ers, it was, it's, it's, a real, it's a real risk. But it said, you know what, we're going to buy into this process and we're going to do whatever we have to do. And that's a big kudos to uh, Jay York, who hasn't been, Jay York is the CEO, owner. Uh, he hasn't been shy about making moves that he felt would benefit 49ers. And you have a few teams that are doing things like that and making these trades at the deadline. The 49ers have now traded for Emmanuel Sanders, who made them go from, oh, okay, this team can be a solid playoff team to where, damn, is this team a Super Bowl contender now? Are they? I don't know. We got to see. But that receiver, I'm pretty sure it helps them. They, you know, trade deadline, oh, let's trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. They've made some moves. Four another made some moves. Okay, let's trade this draft pick. Okay, give up that second round pick. But D Ford, he's going to help us. And 49ers have no more defense in the NFL right now. So you got you you can't just sit back and relax because you have teams like the Rams, you have teams like the 49ers, you have teams like the Patriots. They're going for it. And don't get left behind. The holidays are almost here. And you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits right? Unlike most brands, Untucked It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untuck It shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size. So he looks casual and sharp. Ever seen an untucked button down? They look bad, right? But why? Because they aren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked, no matter your size or shape. Untuck It. Shirts are always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your guy who needs an upgrade. Now, I personally, I haven't worn a whole lot of button-ups, but... I ordered some from Untuck It, and they're right. They, they, they fit great. They fall right down. Um, I've worn them to coaching meetings. Uh, it's just really, really sharp, and it makes you not look, you know, sloppy or anything like that. And, you know, I wear them casually with some khakis, and it looks really good. So whether you are shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to, you know, craft a smart, relaxed style for your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use the blue and use the code BLUE. For 20% off at the checkout. That's untuckit.com and the promo code BLUE for 20% off. Support from Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is the number one men below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Now, I, I, I know you guys, like myself, you know, you, you got to manscape, right? You got to keep it clean down there, keep it, keep it looking good. And before I, I got with Manscaped, 
I was using these like just these liners that typically you would lose on your face. I don't use them on my face, but and I, I would get nicked and then I'm bleeding and there's blood everywhere and it, it's just bad. Well, this manscape man, this manscape stuff, I never have any nicks. I never have any cuts. It's actually a really good smooth cut. So make sure you guys get your 20% off for free shipping with the code BlueWire at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off of free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code BLUE. All right. Use the promo code BLUE. Now, back to the pod, man. Um, There was this question and this won't be a long segment but who are the best offensive play callers in the NFL I I'll give you mine and and then I'll kind of explain why all right I have Andy Reid he's first now Andy Reid he's he's a tremendous play caller and and there might be a difference between play caller and play designer I, I think he's really good at both but it seems like he always calls the right plays at the wrong time, right times. And he's somebody, he's going to push it. He's going to push the ball downfield. He's going to have the defense on their toes. They're going deep. They're going deep. They're taking these shots. They have the quarterback to do it. They have the receivers. They can all fly. And then what does he do? Once he has you on your heels and you and think that deep ball, oh, here comes the screen. <laughs> right? Here comes the screen at the right time. And they pick up a ton of yards on the screen. I, I mean, when you watch him Call a game. Yes, it, it, it helps to have Patrick Mahomes who can throw 100 yards. Yes, it helps to have the fastest guy on the football field in Tyreek Hill. Who, I mean, huh, Mark, he's good when he's pretty fast too, but Tyreek Hill, extremely fast. Did you guys see that play when he was chasing the run? Like, he went to go meet the running back in the end zone and, like, just the, how fast he closed the gap. Dude's ridiculously fast. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's from the last game against the Minnesota Vikings. Well, Andy Reid has all these weapons at his disposal, and he uses them extremely well. Now, next on my list is Kyle Shanahan, who I think some people might. You probably could have Kyle Shanahan ahead of Reid because Kyle doesn't have the same type of guys as Andy Reid has. He doesn't have these explosive, freakishly, you know, gifted. And, and maybe that's his fault, right? For I mean, he could have had Patrick Mahomes. He decided to pass on Mahomes for... C.J. Beathard, the guy who he liked and felt like could fit in his offense. And and so he had Ryan Horner and C.J. Beathard. Now he quickly scrapped that and said, ah, not, it's not going to do it. And he traded for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, midseason. But he could have had him, right? Um, you know, but it seems like no matter what, man, Kyle Shanahan puts his team in a position to be successful offensively. And no matter where he's gone, you know, he had that super offense with – the Atlanta Falcons is like, okay, you gave me a Julio Jones, I'm going to use him. Julio had like over 250 catches or something like that in two years, something ridiculous. Um, over 3,000 yards in those two years with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, just crazy numbers. Uh, Andre Johnson had a similar run with Kyle Shanahan like that over two years where it was just like, just crazy numbers. Like the best numbers, the only two years that Andre Johnson was first team all pro. They were both with Kyle Shanahan. So he knows how to use his weapons when he has them. And when he doesn't, like with the 49ers, 49ers, we've seen him change the entire way that he probably would prefer to call plays. Or maybe he would. Maybe he likes leaning on the run game. Uh, 
But when he didn't have receivers like that that he felt like he can trust, he tailored his game around a run game. And not just the receivers. I mean, he, he's missing for most of this year so far. He's been missing his left and right tackle. Like, every game. He's had a guy, not just his left and right tackle. He's missing the swing tackle as well, who got hurt in the preseason for the whole year towards ACL. So now you're playing with your fourth and fifth tackles. Uh, Brunskill and School. Some guys you guys probably never heard of. One was a six-round draft, draft pick. One was a guy from the AAF league. Like that, That's who he's playing with at his tackles right now. And still he's been able to create a game plan to be successful around those guys who, you know, and some of the guys that the 49ers have had to play against, when you talk about uh, the the Steelers pass rush with um, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, like those guys are coming off of the edge. You talk about the Packer, uh, uh, Panthers pass rush, they rush extremely well. They rush the, the, they rush the passer extremely well. Um you know, you talk about the, I mean, the 49ers had to play against the Rams with Fowler, who's having a great year, and, I mean, who's having a good year. And then, obviously, Aaron Donald, who's, I mean, you know, the most dominant defensive player in the league. So, even having to play these guys, he's been able to, oh, then just last game with with uh, with Jones, um, you know, coming off the edge against Arizona. He, he's been able to create these game plans to neutralize other teams' pass rush and call plays that help get the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands quicker, that help with the run game and the stretch here, stretch there. Okay, now I'm going to boot off of that, and I'm going to create give my is going to help give my quarterback a little bit more time to throw the ball. And I mean, if you watch the 49ers do a straight, a straight drop back these last couple of weeks, it hasn't been pretty. Last couple of weeks, last month. It hasn't been very pretty. Jimmy Garoppolo de- typically doesn't have a whole lot of time. He has to make guys miss and then step up and then do this and then throw a, a completion. But he hasn't just had, like, this great protection, like, say, you know, what the Cowboys have given, like, Dak Prescott over the last, you know, few years. So uh, big shout-out to Kyle Shanahan for uh, being able to adjust on the fly. So he, he's number two. And then you have, obviously, Sean Payton. Sean Payton, I, I think, you know, yeah, it's the perfect marriage between Sean Payton and Drew Brees. But he, he, even with having that great quarterback, we just saw he was out, what, five weeks? And Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater came in. Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees are totally different. Totally different. So now you have to change your game plan to more of a game manager style type because that's kind of a little bit more of what Teddy Bridgewater is. Um, he was very careful with the ball in Minnesota, and it was really lean more on the run game. Um, if you watch him against, like, the Cowboys, Teddy Bridgewater, you'd see, I mean, he threw a ton to the running backs and not really a lot of downfield shots. So um, big shout-out to Peyton for Sean Peyton to be able to adapt to whoever his quarterback is and really not lose a step. I mean, the, the team went unbeaten during that time. And then Drew Brees comes back, and what they do, they win another game. Um, and then the last one. Now, there are a lot of different ways we can go with this, a lot of different names that I can call out and stuff like that. You got the McVeighs and the Wrights and, you know, all these different coordinators. But I'm I'm going to go with Greg Roman. And the reason why I'm, I'm going with Greg Roman here is what, what he's been able to do with 
a guy like Lamar Jackson. Now, I, I spoke a little bit about Lamar Jackson earlier, but I don't care what anybody says. He's kind of limited as a passer. Well, Greg Roman knows that. So he has created a game plan, kind of like what he did with Colin Kaepernick, a system and offense that gives his quarterback layup throws. And off of that, also, he has the, you know, the different um, the read options, the zone, the zone reads, the, you know, different things to let Lamar Jackson kind of beat him. I've seen a few little quarterback powers, um, just different things to kind of help his quarterback. He's created a, a, an offense for that. And with that, with what he's done, I mean, Mark Ingram looks amazing. A lot of that has to do with the threat of Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman being able to use that. Uh, they have the what number one running offense. The 49ers average 180 rushing yards a game. And they're not first in the league, which is crazy. I've never seen that. What, like you average 180 yards rushing and you're not first? Nope. Because the Baltimore Ravens average around 200 rushing yards a game. 200. And it's not conventional, I guess, you know, to what today's game is. Uh, which is to spread everybody out, throw the ball all around, uh, throw 50 times a game, whatever everybody else wants to do. But it's, an, it's effective, and it works for Baltimore, and that offense is extremely difficult to defend. Now, again, a lot of that has to do with Lamar Jackson, but who's calling the plays? Who's putting Lamar Jackson in those type of situations to be able to use his athleticism? It's Greg Roman. So those are my those are my four guys who I said you know the best play callers right now in the league. You got Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton, and Craig Roman. All right, let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders. All right, because I'm a 49er fan. They just traded for him at the deadline. Dude's 32 years old, and he's coming from the Baltimore Broncos, the Denver Broncos. Just imagine coming from like man, I'm playing for the Denver Broncos and. And the Broncos, you know, they hadn't been doing all that great. I think they won yesterday. They beat the uh, Cleveland Browns. But before that, they had won two games. They were 2-6. And, and it's like, wow, I go from 2-16 to a team that's undefeated. And I think the underrated part of, of it is he went to a scheme that was kind of similar. You have uh, Rich Scandrillo, who came, who actually came from the 49ers coaching staff. And is now the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. So some of the things were the same. I'm pretty sure, you know, verbiage and some of the concepts are probably a little bit different. For the most part, I'm pretty sure it was something that he could pick up. Well, he didn't just pick it up. He picked it up extremely quick. And in the first game, right away, the 49ers went to him a couple times on that first drive. Scored a touchdown on the very first drive. Had a couple catches. Um, Four catches in total on the game. 25 yards. Nothing crazy, right? But he had only been there for a few days. Now he turns around and you have a... Thursday night game, so you have a short week against the Arizona Cardinals, and who, you know, let's go. Emmanuel Sanders, you're going to be the guy now. And not only are you going to be the guy, you're going to have Patrick Peterson shadowing you. So, 32 years old, coming off of an Achilles injury, just got traded for 49ers, gave up a few draft picks for him, or two, was it third, a fourth, and a fifth, something like that, and then the 49ers got like a pick back, but anyways, you got Patrick Peterson shadowing you, 
And it didn't matter. Seven catches, a touchdown, 112 yards. Is Emmanuel Sanders a, a wide receiver one? And is Emmanuel Sanders kind of slept on, like, under the radar? Because I know people don't really talk about him in the career that he's had, but he's he's been pretty decent. He's had some 1,000-yard seasons. He started off kind of slow in Pittsburgh. You know, it took some time to kind of develop. And then once he got the Denver Broncos, he got with uh, Peyton Manning. And, you know, statistically, he kind of took off. But I don't know. People, I, I don't hear people talk about Emmanuel Sanders a lot. And it's crazy to see, like, kind of what he's done in a short period of time with the 49ers. He's, again, I said it earlier, but he has helped the 49ers become a Super Bowl contending team. And he wasn't the only guy on the move. Or you have Mohamed Sanu, who did a great job with the Patriots last night. He had 10 catches for 81 yards. Uh, You have Josh Gordon, who was released by the Patriots and was on IR, and now he's with... The Seahawks, he got claimed by the Seahawks, so he'll be playing against the 49ers next Monday night, uh, a week from tonight. And this is my thing with Josh Gordon. Yes, he, he, he he's solid, but I think people still view him as 2013 Josh Gordon that went for 16, 1,700 yards or whatever, 1,800 yards, whatever he went for. People still view him as that Josh Gordon. And... I don't, I don't think he is. I don't think he's that guy. I think that he is, you know, uh, you know, you want to take a deep shot, you know, get him the ball in space, he can run over people. Like, I don't think he's 2013 Josh Gordon. That would you think of when you hear his name? Yeah, I don't think he's that guy. All right, and then let's talk about that other monster over there, DK Metcalf. All right, now. DK Metcalf had a big game, over 100 yards, um, had a really long touchdown run. All right. And, I mean, he, he's been everything I expected, okay? Uh, I When I say that, like, I, I expected, I mean, I think people that follow me on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker, they know how high I was on DK Metcalf, right? So, John Ledger, um, he tweeted out, hey, DK Metcalf was top 10 on my board. And shouldn't have fallen to 64, period. That was dumb. But I hate the revisionist history that dismisses those who have concerns with him. There was nothing wrong with him being concerned. A dude ran, he, with a dude who ran three routes and had inconsistent ball skills. All right. Which he, he he's, he's, he's correct on that. Now, the issue is people didn't have concerns with the three routes until he ran a poor three cone. That was when all the fuss about him and, oh, this is third. He can't turn left. He can't turn right. Don't ask him that. He can't run any routes, but go straight. It's not true. And if you watch film, you see that. That wasn't true. Then they point to his stats. Oh, he only had 500-something yards. Uh, He would have been much more uh, uh, productive if he was going to be some guy in the NFL. It was like, huh. He got hurt. Now, if you want to say, if you want to point to medical flags, medical red flags as to why you thought he wasn't going to be good, I'll give you that. He had a neck injury, you know, okay, whatever. But from a talent and skill point, skill set, how could you not figure out a way to use this guy? He's shade under 6'4", shade under 230 pounds. 
ran a 4-3-3, jumped out the building. Now, maybe I don't ask him to run the sharpest of routes. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. I'm bigger and faster than everybody out here. And I make plays. I make plays on the ball. I make plays on the balls in the air. And I actually play as fast as my 40 time says. So what would I do with him? Well, I watch a lot of Kyle Shanahan. I watch a lot of Seahawks. Why not just do a lot of these deep play action shots with him? Hey, okay, run a slant. He can run a slant. Run a slant. Run a go. Run a post. Run a dig. Run a deep crosser. And he does those things just as good as anybody in the league. And when he does catch that deep crosser, guess what he does? Like what he did yesterday. Scores touchdowns. Matter of fact, he scored several touchdowns this year. Let's let's take a look up at DK McCaff stats. Uh, 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 uh. All right. This year, DK McCaff, 29 catches, 525 yards, 18.1 yards per carry, five touchdowns. That's halfway through the year. Halfway through the year, DK McCaff, 29 catches, 525 yards, 18.1 yards per catch, five touchdowns. I'm not surprised. Last, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that he only had one catch for six yards against Arizona. I'm surprised he only had three catches for 13 yards against Atlanta, even though he had two touchdowns that game. Um, But I'm not surprised that last game he had six catches for 123 yards in the touchdown. Uh, Dude's a a, a freak. And if you can't figure out how to use him, I think you just suck as an offensive coordinator. All right. Then the last thing I want to talk about here, obviously me being a 49er fan, let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. All right. <sighs> okay. Jimmy Garoppolo has been asked to play a different style of game that I think what is natural to him. I, I think by his nature, he's a gunslinger. I think he's somebody that, uh, yeah, he's a gunslinger. I, I think he's somebody that he's going to be a little risky with the ball. He's going to, you know, Try to fit the ball in the different places. He turned. He throw the ball and turn. He he reminds me of Tony Romo. And I said that. I said the you you just have to live with the fact that he might throw an interception once a game. But outside of that one interception that he throws, and it's typically the first half, he's pretty damn good. He's been a seventy percent thrower, seventy um, percent uh, completion percentage for the year. Um, and even more so than that, he's over eight yards per attempt, which is which is good. All right, um, he's been way more accurate this year on his deep ball passes. He's been like we're talking about throws that are like over twenty yards. He's been really good. Intermediate, he's money. Uh, he does everything actually very well. He buys time. He makes guys miss. He he keeps drives going. He's the best third down quarterback in the league. But for whatever reason, because he's not throwing for 300, 400 yards a game. People knock him and say, oh, well, it's not him. It's not, you know, it's the 49ers defense. Which the 49ers defense has been great. Like I said, the number one defense in the league. But the 49ers also have a top 10 offense in the league. I think they're like number six in the league. They're up there on points per game. Well, who, who's doing that? That's Jimmy Garoppolo leading it. Now, is that all on him? No, the 49ers have a terrific run game. And they've had to lean on that. They're missing two tackles. They're missing their two starting tackles and the swing tackle, like I said earlier. 
So you want Jimmy Garoppolo to drop back and throw the ball 40 times a game and put him in harm's way of getting killed with this six-round rookie draft pick and and uh, this AAF tackle protecting him? No. So I think that the 49ers have done a really good job of kind of limiting how much Jimmy Garoppolo is exposed. He's done very well with what he's asked to do. His numbers definitely don't... It, when I say numbers, I mean if you just look at passing yards, touchdowns, interceptions, I don't think those things reflect as well as how good I think that he has played. If you look a little deeper into the other little analytical stats that they throw out there with um, you know, yards per attempt, third down conversion rate, uh, there was this efficiency uh, stats saw for now we're near the top. If you look at those things, it's like, oh, well, the quarterback is actually playing very well. And when you watch the game, because if you don't watch him and you just look at a stat sheet, yeah, it's not going to look impressive. But if you watch him, just watch and see, and you can get back with me on this, how often does he keep drives going? And look at your quarterback and see if your quarterback does the same thing. All right. So, hey, that's going to be it for this episode. I'm getting back in the groove. I'm going to keep get it going again, y'all, um, every week. Check back in next week. Hey, right here on the Press Coverage Podcast. <laughs>